Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the rest of you guys. Welcome to episode number 49 of Bitcoin Magazine Live. And we're going to kick things off, or I'd be better served saying we're going to blast things off uh, with the founder of BitBlockBoom, Gary Leland. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing great. Good to be here. Good to be here. First time on the show, I believe. So yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, so uh, yeah, as we were talking earlier, getting old, that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can pick it up right where we left off. I mean, uh, th 30, it sounds like, is uh, the glory days for, from what from what you are describing but uh well, in, looked... in the scheme of things there's not a lot of difference from mid-20s to 30s you know it's when <laughs> yeah. you start hitting 50s 50s to 60s that's a big damn difference yeah uh, just what your I body does i got i got to appreciate the fact that i can still wake up in the mornings after a night of drinking all of you guys watching and tuning in just Quick little pro tip, we're all dehydrated, so make sure you have a glass of water. We're going to dive into some pretty heavy topics, I think, today. Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind everyone, use code YTMAG, get 10% off of your Bitcoin conference tickets. We are 29 days out. We're going to be parting it up in Miami. To be honest, like I'm going to be in Miami in 25 days, 24 days. So if you come early, DM me. We can hang out. We'll do something. We're going to be getting ready and setting up a ton of stuff. But as always, if you find me at the conference, we can smoke a joint together. Or I'll buy you a drink. Use code YTMAG, get 10% off. Uh, and Gary, talk to us a little bit about BitBlock Boom. I know you're really excited for the fifth year you guys are putting this on. Yeah, we've moved to Austin this year. So that's a new thing for us. And that's really made a big difference. We had a great conference, I think, anyway. You know, I, I think, uh, well, I know doing our conference during COVID, you know, two years ago when nobody did a conference that made a big difference for us. Cause yeah, as I was telling you again earlier, I said, nobody sits here at home and going, gosh, I want to go to Texas in August. That just sounds like the thing to do. But I think, uh, what was it? Two, three years ago when we did the bit block boom during COVID people in July started going, wow, I haven't been to a conference all year. And they say they're doing one in Texas. And tickets started picking up. And then when it got to August 1st, since conference is the end of August, people finally realized they are doing a conference in Texas and tickets went off the wall. And then once, once people came, you know, for the first time, which a lot of people weren't because like I said, who wants to come to Texas in August, once they came, they said, this is a hell of a conference. And they kept coming back and back and back and it's grown every year. And I think this year we've expanded a little more than I planned on it. We'll probably be at about 500 people. I wanted to stay at about 300, but Moving to Austin, everything's three times the cost in Austin. I mean, it's an expensive place. It's like Miami, I guess. It's an expensive place to host a conference. So we've increased the uh, capacity. It's going to be 450, 500, something like that to uh, make up for the tickets. But it's going to be a blast. It's uh, events Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, so every day there's an event. Awesome. But it's going to be good. But your, your conference is great to just get into that. You know, and the thing about your conference even when you had it in San Francisco, um, which is much better now than it was there. But in Miami, even if you aren't going to the conference, you could come and have a great time every day. There's so much stuff going on that sometimes I find myself having to leave the conference to go to something and then come back to the conference the same day because there's so much stuff going on in that town during uh, Bitcoin Miami. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I brought this statistic up before, but last year there were 50,000 people 
who came into Miami specifically to attend the Bitcoin conference. However, let me tell you, attendance did not hit that 50K number. So there were plenty of people just sort of hanging out and partying in Miami. There are going to be plenty of satellite events, after parties. Um, one of my favorite, and I'm going to share this and blast this with everyone. Shout out to Lord Eric Norris, who joined us yesterday and gave one of the best best pieces of, of advice I had heard. If you guys are actually trying to find a job in Bitcoin, we said it time and time again, you need to be at these conferences, but go a step further, reach out to their marketing departments. You want a job at Gemini? I'm, I'm literally copying what Eric Norris said yesterday. You want a job at Gemini? Reach out to their marketing department and offer to volunteer to help them set up their booth. Do not ask for a job. Do not do anything else. Just offer to help them out. And then boom, all of a sudden they recognize your name and it will help you in the long run. Being there matters. Being there in person matters. Gary, I'm curious. You know, every year, every year I go to every every conference I go to while we're on that subject before we leave, every conference I go to, and that was true this week at uh, Unconfiscatable, someone comes up to me and tells me that BitBlockBoom was life-changing and tells me about the job they got because they were BitBlockBoom networking. Happens all the time all the time. So that is the truest information you can have. If you want a job in Bitcoin, go to Bitcoin conferences, especially the strong ones that aren't shitcoin conferences. Yeah. Emphasis on, and I cannot wait, we're going to have some really cool stuff to really upgrade this show on the other side of 50. Um, but honestly, F all of those shitcoin companies. I've been told to stop cursing. So we're going to try my best to not drop an F-bomb on today's episode. Oh, so uh, I mean, I can't drop any F-bombs? No, you can't. You absolutely can, Gary. I have been told, like, let's tone it down. Let's be a little bit more, I don't know, polite, I guess. I don't know. The world's not polite to me, so I don't see why I have to be polite to it. Hey, while we're uh, talking about conferences, though, one more thing I want to say, because this is kind of working into conferences and BitBlock Boom. This year, you know, Consensus, which is usually in New York, and they haven't been able to have it for two years because it's been shut down, New York, for COVID. They've moved to Austin, Texas in June. So the Friday of consensus, I'm throwing BitBlock Party. So I'm doing a plug here, bitblockparty.com, but it's a fuck you Ethereum party. So since the consensus is there, so if anyone's interested, I figure there's gonna be a lot of people there working for shitcoin companies, like um, exchanges and things that are really Bitcoiners, and they'll want to go to a Bitcoin party. So go to bitblockparty.com and you can check out the uh, fuck you Ethereum party. You know, so that's, that's, that's my F you for the day. Gary, I'm so excited to come to Texas in the middle of the summer to party at the <laughs> Fuck You Ethereum party. Damn it. Damn it. We are 11 minutes in and already ruined it. All right. My bad, Alex. My bad. Anyways, um, Gary, in addition to Bitbox Boom, in addition to, you know, making the rounds at every conference and hosting your, your own show, you also actually spent some time earlier this year working with some colleagues of ours, as well as some other guests of Bitcoin Magazine Live to help write the book, Bitcoin and the American Dream. Talk yeah, to us a little bit about experience. Yeah, talk to us about that experience. What did you learn? What did you take away from it? And what did you contribute? Well, I learned I wouldn't do that more than once a year. I mean, you know, literally eight of us basically <laughs> lived in a duplex, both sides of the duplex for a week. So I knew a few of those people, but uh, that was quite an experience and quite a learning experience. We had a pretty diverse group. We had young people. We had old me. I was a token old person, I guess. We had black, white, Asian, female, male. So it was a pretty diverse group. But it was really pretty eye-opening as to what other groups, I'm going to say, what their thoughts are on different things compared to what my thoughts are, especially since the uh, generation I came from being a boomer. 
we had everything as we walked through the economy. I mean, we just took advantage of it and just ripped and shredded it up as we came through. So all you guys just got screwed royally by us. So, and I understand that truly, I truly do, but you know, it was there for the taking. So I guess we all took it. I, you know, so sorry for everybody else, but that's the way it is. But you know, I weren't Lamar. Um, God, I can't think of Lamar's last name. Wilson. Wilson. Him and I were roommates for five days. And I had our own place, basically. And we became really good friends. And it was really eye-opening as to uh, some of the information he gave me, which I had no reason to really know before. It didn't pertain to my life. Um, you know, same thing with uh, C.J. Wilson. You know, he was much younger than me. So everybody was much younger than me. But it was a quite an eye-opening experience. But the book itself, because that's more important than I think the experience of being living with eight strangers for a week, um, the book itself, you know, was written for politicians, but particularly more so for their aides, mm -hmm. you know, or staffers, because um, it's easier. For instance, we had a book reveal party in Washington, D. and Senator Columbus came and a few people, but tons and tons of staffers came. I mean, I think that we had 100 people there and they almost all were staffers. So they just like going to parties, you know, anything they can go to for free. And they were easier to get to, to educate. But the purpose of the book, I think, well, CJ and Amanda are spending a lot of time in D.C. And they wanted something they could leave when they're calling on politicians, something they could leave short and quick. And the whole purpose of the book is it's an hour read, gets to the point. Uh, someone can read it an hour. And staffers, I feel like a staffer would read it. And then when a senator or a congressman going, what in the world's going on with this Bitcoin? Who here knows something about this that can help me? They can say, oh, I, I know a good bit about it because they read our book and our book is giving them what we think is the true information, not, not a bunch of FUD. And like I said, it's a pretty amount of diverse information, you know, because of the crowd being so diverse. So I think that's the good thing about the book. And I think it was a perfect time for the book too, because I think two years ago, the book wouldn't have been very important. Two years from now, it may have been too late for the book. So that, of course, that's why it's the perfect time for the book. But as laws are going to be created to try to control cryptos or Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a little more about it. I hope they do control and get rid of crypto. Um, but as, as laws are created, we need them to have the correct information instead of people who are hoping to help out their coin by saying how bad proof of work is, for example, and we need to ban proof of work. Well, that would help them a lot, but it wouldn't help Bitcoin since Bitcoin needs to be proof of work. So this information that the book gives them, I think is just great information. Uh, I have to say, like, thank you for doing the work that needed to be done. And to touch on one of the things you kind of discuss it uh, very briefly here, it is important that someone like you with your life experience is contributing just as it's important for someone like Lamar and someone like Jimmy Song or someone like uh, CJ all of these different life experiences help shape what can help as many people as possible versus I myself am a little, um, I don't know if perturbed is the right word, but seeing Biden about to uh, release his executive order, a 79 year old man who is probably not going to live out seeing the repercussions of whatever his decision is. Well, is for sure, for sure. Blasphemous. Absolutely blasphemous. And I say this as candidly as someone who voted for him. Like, well, I stop. think I think the point that you really should be making is he's going to be making a uh, proclamation or whatever on cryptos and Bitcoin. And I doubt he has any concept of what it is, even that he's talking about. Someone's prepared them. And it's according to 
you know, which side of the fence they're on as to how that's going to come out. But I'm sure he has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. To your point, though, it's not even just a, oh, which token do, does the person in Biden's ear have or are they a Bitcoiner? It's also, well, they're probably tied very closely to the fiat printing machine and they want to see that really benefit and that last longer than anything else. And so it becomes this whole, sorry, I'm going to use my second one today. It's going to be a whole clusterfuck of just whatever decisions get made over the next, I think, 18 months that we're going to have to figure out how to fix and how to manage uh, Gary, I'm curious without, you know, sharing every single detail from the book, maybe one or two pieces of advice or legislative sort of nudging that you guys do to sort of guide these politicians to the water. Well, one of the things we bring up in the book is, is a chapter on mining, which let's face it, most people, especially Joe Biden, wouldn't understand what mining is or have a shot to understand mining. And as I tell people when I'm orange billing them, you don't need to know what it, uh, a big chapter worked on by Charlene was um, the fact that uh, Black communities have never, in her opinion, never had the chance to have the American dream. The American dream existed in America, but there was a certain class of people that didn't have the opportunity to have the American dream. And every time things started going forward, the American dream was taken away from them. Um, and we did a lot of talking about that, which is what I was saying earlier. I wasn't familiar with all that. So that was really eye opening. So that was some pretty important information also, especially if you were um, a strong liberal, you should be to me, I don't know, I'm not a liberal, so I don't know, but you should be excited about the opportunity to bring money to minorities who have been left out of this opportunity for, well, forever, according to Charlene and Lamar. And I'm going to take their word on it because they know they've experienced it way more than me. So to me, that was one of the strongest points. And one of the strongest chapters is the fact that it brings a whole new group of people into that opportunity to have the American dream because now they can own something that cannot be taken away from them. You know, no one can come and take it away unless you're just an idiot and you let people steal it. But that happens to smart people too. everybody. I mean, smart people, dumb people, a lot of people make mistakes and get stuff stolen. Yeah, Gary, I'm still waiting for you to send me the two Bitcoin after I sent you one. Oh yeah, so. I did. I did, didn't I? <laughs> I thought it was a thing where you, you would send me four. I thought I just kept Oh no, no, no. Send me no. one, I sent you two. Send you one. Yeah. Send me four. I'm still waiting on my four because I sent yours out the okay. same day. I'm I, I'm waiting for two. Once yeah. you send me two, I'll send you four though. Okay. Okay. I have <laughs> um, to check uh, maybe I sent it to the wrong address. I do that a lot. Yeah. Send it to the wrong you know, I'm a boomer, <laughs> so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sending bitcoins okay, out all the time to the wrong addresses. Yeah. Okay, Boomer. Um, I do want to quickly on this topic, like there are two things I want to really shout out. Firstly, Bitcoin in the hood, Kevin, if you're listening, appreciate all the work you're doing. Keep on orange filling everyone you can. Get me those videos. Let's figure out a way that we can be working together. And then also just cash app in general, helping so many underrepresented and unbanked people finally have financial access to fintech technology that they otherwise would never have been granted. And then making it so easy to buy Bitcoin on the app in addition to having your direct deposit. That is, I think, setting the stage for hopefully these underrepresented communities taking advantage of this opportunity that's being given to them. Ultimately, it's their decision. Remains to be seen what is done, but hopefully these regulatory efforts uh, can get curbed or at least these people can be better educated about the decisions and impact that they're going to make after reading the work that you guys have done. You know, these underrepresented communities also have a problem that many times 
they, a lot of the people do not have the income to set up a decent retirement program. Like for instance, they can't go to Fidelity and say, hey, I want to start contributing. You know, if you're working, let's face it, if you're working for 15 bucks an hour somewhere, you are not going to Fidelity saying, hey, I want to set up an IRA. I want to set up an investment program. You might not even be able to set up a bank account. But now, whether it's two bucks a week or four bucks a week or 10 bucks a week, they can start investing and saving for their future. And they can do it without any help from a bank, without any help, no fees that they're going to be paying these tremendous fees. And so that's the biggest thing about Bitcoin to me and the underserved community is the fact that now they can take into control their retirement, which they have never had the opportunity to do before because it just wasn't available to them. The tools or the, or the pipeline to get in there and do it was not available. But with Bitcoin, it is available. And that makes a big difference. And if you're a young guy making $30 or 20 bucks an hour and you can put five bucks to 10 bucks a week, by the time, by the time you're a guy in 25, by the time you hit 65, you're going to have a whole bunch of money worth of Bitcoin and you're not putting much in at all, less than a pack of cigarettes a week. And you'd have a ton of Bitcoin. One of my favorite things whenever I'm trying to stop smoking cigarettes is a nice little reminder of if I can take the five minutes to go smoke a cigarette, I can take the five minutes to just sit there and meditate with my thoughts. If you can spend the money to go buy a pack of cigarettes, if you can spend the money to go buy a six pack of beer, you can spend the money on a few sats and a little bit of Bitcoin. It's just amazing to me how expensive everything is now, cigarettes. Oh, my God. When I was a kid to smoke, they were like 32 cents a pack. You know, when I was in high school, oh, my gosh. And I thought that was a lot. We were trying to scrape together pennies. I can imagine. I saw them in the machine the other day. They were like $8. You know, and I smoked two or three packs a day when I smoked. So, I mean, hell, I wouldn't be able to. I couldn't afford to smoke today. I'd have a hard time with that. In L.A., where I originally uh, am technically based or from, it's over 10 bucks a pack, not to mention the gas prices, what they are here in Mexico, where I'm at now, you can buy a pack of cigarettes for a buck 50. Yeah, that's about what they should be a buck 50. You know, that, that, the rest of that's all BS. You know, I'm just tired. Of, you know, I know this isn't a Bitcoin subject, but I'm tired of the government of the U.S. government, the state government, the city government, government in general, thinking of people as a cash producing, income producing cash cow. The government is supposed to take care of me and you and help us out and make sure we're okay. Not to say, you know what, we need some more money. How can we get some more money out of all these people? You know, why is it when you drive down the street and you have your seatbelt off, why is it a $175 ticket? If I drive through a stop sign, it's a $55 ticket. Why? Because that seatbelt law came out later than running the stoplight law. So they jacked the way the hell up because they said we might as well make some money off this deal i i'm just tired of the government making money i'm tired of a guy getting caught in the lane the express lane you can't get out once you get in there you know if you get in there by accident you cannot get out of there until you go down far enough and once you get out then if you get a ticket in there it's like 300 dollars or something for being in the wrong damn lane you know who can afford to pay that and, well i can afford to pay but, but really there's a lot of people who cannot afford to pay a 300 dollars ticket that's going to mean their kids can't eat their week that week I mean, it realistically is. And they got a choice. They can pay the government 300 bucks for being in the wrong lane or their kids can eat. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to get a warrant for their arrest because they're going to take care of their kids. I'm just sick of the government making money off of us, no matter how they make it up. We're not an income producer for the government. The government's just supposed to be a safety valve for us and work for us. So I'm sick of it. That's my little rant there. I'm no, sick please, of it a lot, though. Please, I, I, you are preaching to the choir. You are preaching to the choir. 
We pay way too much in taxes, first off. And secondly, the government is inefficient in how they dole this money out. The laws don't make sense. Why, why is a law that is for your safety costing you more if you break it versus a law that can genuinely harm other people? If you run that, if you yeah. run that red light or that stop sign, you're putting other people at harm's risk. You don't wear that seatbelt. That is your prerogative. That is your decision. Whether or not you agree with the the notion of needing to wear a seatbelt, everyone should wear a seatbelt. Just I wear a seatbelt. I mean, everyone should I, wear a seatbelt. I'm not giving anyone a hard time because I'm just saying oh, the ticket shouldn't be absolutely. triple the price of running through a red light. I'm, so it must I'm, be because it's a newer law and it can't jack up that fifty dollar one as fast. I, I don't disagree with that. I would even go so far as to say there's a secondary issue I have with government uh, that does feed into this tax, the taxes, which is if you actually look, and I believe the exact date or the exact year was just after the depression in 1933, uh, 34, right around that time, that was the last time around that period where Congress took a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Ever yeah. since then, Congress has either kept their salary the same or increased it. So we're coming up on almost 90 years of getting raises. I'm sorry, time out. I pay your salary. I was never asked. I was never told, hey, no, you know what? You've done good. You've done good. That's that's because we're in a republic. Yeah, where we pick people to represent us. So we've agreed to let people do that. But the thing about that, that you're getting me caught on that subject is- Back you know, to Bitcoin. Don't worry, guys. Not 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 only do they just make too much damn money, but let's. I'm going to use Nancy Pelosi as a, as an example here of this person. This person, I think, her husband owns the bank. She's 80 years old. She's what is she worth? I'm guessing here, 20 million dollars, maybe whatever it is. And she's hired. Okay, and she's only helped been a public worker. And when I was a kid, a public worker were the people who didn't make a lot of money on the street. You know, but now. She's like worth millions, owns a bank, all this stuff. She's 80. How many 80-year-old women do you know that want to go to work in that situation, that rich, that want to go to work every day and get given all the crap that she must get and have to How many 80-year-old people? I'm not even going to say women because that sounds like I'm saying this only one. How many 80-year-old people besides politicians do you know that like to work that hard that are multi-millionaires and own a – I mean, if you own a bank, you're printing money. So how many people do you know over 80? And you got people like Warren Buffett, but he's not out there getting crap all day long and fighting in the trenches. You know, he's just going to work and sitting at a desk and looking at a computer terminal, probably and listening to some people come up and give him advice. So uh, to me, and I'm saying, why don't we change this rules on the raises instead of they get more money? Maybe they get more time off because the least amount of time they're there, the less they can screw stuff up. So, so if we gave him like, okay, you guys want to, you're making $250,000 now, but we know you'll be a millionaire in a year, even though you're only making $250,000. So instead of giving you more money, cause you don't need it, we're just going to give you more time off. So you only have to work one week a month, you know, cause like I said, and then you call them in, there's a special session or something, you know, like we're going on right now. But for the most part, they just work so damn long. They just hunt for things to do. Hey, we need to make a law about Bitcoin or we need to make a law about this. So let's just cut off the working time and give them more time off. They can't screw stuff up as bad because I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. I don't care. I don't talk politics because they all are the same damn thing. They're all screwing up stuff and they may all go there thinking they're going to do good. It's just once you get into that town, 
you become part of the mob and you start following the group, you know, it's just like a disease that's floating around there, you know, so the less we can get them there, maybe they'd stay like uh, really optimistic and want to do good stuff longer, you know, if they weren't there as much. My fellow clubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you are a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. Want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. I I would even, I would, I have been pushing and I don't see a world unless there's some crazy executive order that gets passed, Uh, but there needs to be term limits for these people. There's no reason for you to spend. Oh yeah. Like, Nancy Pelosi net worth, by the way, according to the internet, so grain of salt, $114.7 million as a public servant, which she has been doing. Man, I was for, guessing at 20. Oh, I was off. Oops. I was up. She's been in public and serving different public servant positions for the better part of 50 years now. But the thing that pisses me off the most, and this has been a conversation that we see circulate a lot online, especially over the last year, roughly. Um, you brought up Warren Buffett. You know who had a better year than Warren Buffett in the stock market last year? Yeah, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. You, How the no, there's fuck? no law against Sorry, them. I... There's no law against them using insider information. I mean, that's a crazy thing. You know. Also, speaking on your same thing there about term limits. You know, there's a book called Common Sense by Thomas Paine, written in the 1700s. I think it was actually yep. written before we were a free country, saying, "Hey, here's what we could do." You know, thing up. Even back. Then, even before all this stuff happened, this guy said that if we do have essential capital and you have representatives going from your state to the central capital to work, they have to have term limits because after a certain amount of time, they'll be representing the capital instead of where they came from because they don't live where they came from anymore and they don't know what's going on in the local issues. So even this guy, 200 and something years ago, knew there had to be term limits. You know, so, I mean, you know, this isn't rocket science. You know, these guys know there should be. They just don't want to lose a cash cow again. Like I said, we're providing the cash cow. That's all it's about in government now is cash, making cash. Everybody's making as much as they can. Sure, there's there's probably one or two good people out there. I'm not going to throw everybody in the dumpster, but there's just so many in the dumpster that smell. When you hit the area of D.C., you start smelling it as soon as you get close to it. Well, as someone who went to college in D.C., let me tell you, when the Potomac River gets warmed up a little, that city stinks. There you go. It's probably leaking out of the capital into the into the thing there, into um, the river. I don't know if uh, you actually had the chance to read an excellent essay penned by uh, Alex Gladstein. Sorry, I was spacing on his name. Uh, that came out just at the end of last week 
on Bitcoin Magazine. And we had a discussion yesterday with him over just like the hidden cost to fund wars in the age of quantitative easing. And in the discussion on spaces yesterday, they brought to my attention essentially how our country had shifted from this idea of, well, we're going to issue war bonds as this idea of, hey, help us fight the war. If you support America, you should buy a war bond and you'll get the money back more than you put in whatever bullshit tagline. And it worked for generations. Your generation yeah. succeeded off of making those types of investments. World War II, it worked. World War I, it worked. I wasn't around back then. I'm not that old, though. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Not easy. Um, but it was very interesting how a lot of this changed, especially over the over, since Bretton Woods. Uh, in particular, we stopped issuing things called war bonds, and we just started calling them bonds. But we didn't stop using that money towards funding our wars. So in, se- in essence, they essentially took out the war name to make us feel less bad about it. But ultimately, it's still being used for the same thing. And shout out to Matt Odell for bringing this up uh, on Twitter earlier today. But the Department of Defense, same thing. This was not called the Department of Defense the whole time it was around. This was called the War Department. These are literally, our country has so many little things that were designed for us to go to war and to literally make money off of it, to profit off of it. We've seen it over generations. We've been in wars. Honestly, whether or not we agree with it, we've been in wars pretty consistently since World War II. Yeah, like why were we in the Vietnam War to this day? I mean, what what's the deal about that? How many Americans got killed over there? They stopped the draft the year I got out of high school. Luckily, my brother went to Vietnam, but what was that about? Why did we care if North Vietnam took South Vietnam? Who cares? They did. And look, nothing happened. I mean, it's that North Vietnam's in control now. And now we're doing business with them. You know, it looks to me like everybody's wanting us to get into war today. It looks like all those same people are going, hey, you're out of Afghanistan. You screwed us around. We need to be in a new war. We need to get something going here to make some more money. You cut us off. You know, so that's a money producing machine wars. And the thing, you know, especially I say for Dino Moose in his book, The Bitcoin Standard brings up when gold was the reserve, you know, that made a big difference in war. You know, when France was fighting Egypt, England, you know, in their suit and armors, hey, they had to win the war pretty quick. They only had so much gold until they ran out of gold and they couldn't pay the guys to be knights and stuff and fight the war. I know that's not technically the, the true way the knights fight in the war, maybe, but, you know, the war would stop if you ran out of money. So you right. didn't spend 30 years, 40 years in a war. You know, you got it done quicker than that because you couldn't afford, you didn't have enough money. You wouldn't be able to be king anymore. You wouldn't have enough money. So um, that has really made a big change on war, I think, also more than changing the war department to the defense department, which is a pretty sneaky way to do that. You know, now we're defending you from, you know, from Croatia or from South North Vietnam or, you know, you know, I think it does this defending us has caused more problems long-term, you know, to me, I don't want anyone dying and being taken over, but I really don't care what happens in a lot of the world. I mean, I really don't, it doesn't affect me. Stuff's going to happen. It's happened forever. It's going to happen forever. We're not some great society where we're all peaceful people, man, human beings like governments like taking over stuff and controlling stuff. Right now we control a buttload of stuff and we have for a long, long time, but it's going to end someday, you know, and someone else is, you know, it's just a matter. We still want to be here when it ends instead of going out in a big cloud of smoke or nuclear waste. Well, on the topic of what we're seeing go on in Europe, I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of stuff, decisions that Putin is making, conversations around how much gold he has actually stockpiled, 
I am of the belief and notion that he has secretly been stacking Bitcoin as well as gold, as well as holding on to whatever dollars, US dollars that they can get their hands on, knowing full well their currency would go absolutely to the to the tank, essentially to zero almost. Um, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin's place in this global conversation going on with you? Russia and Ukraine in particular right now. Yeah, I could, you know, as to whether they have any or not, who knows, but I could see where that would be a smart move. And, you know, no matter what you want to say to the guy about the guy, Putin, he's not an idiot. He's running the country. I mean, you had to be halfway smart to get into power. I mean, you know, so keep I mean, the power. yeah, and keep the power. And he's just does it in a cutthroat manner um, for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think the bigger question may be, um, which relates is we see what's happening with Putin now that he's moved in trying to take over Croatia. So what does this do for China who's sitting back watching? Now they're going, oh my gosh, they took him off the Swiss system. We didn't think that would happen. Or my gosh, all these corporations are no longer doing business with them. So this gives them more information to be more properly prepared if they decide to go after Taiwan. You know, they, they go, oh, here's what could happen. Because I've never seen it like this when someone raided a country that all these companies are cutting them off and uh, things like this. This is kind of a new way of doing things. And crypto exchanges are even cutting them off now, you know, which I never thought I would see that, you know. Um, not that I'm in favor of war. I just didn't think that uh, companies that represented distributed uh, stuff would be like getting involved in any way, shape or form. No, absolutely. I mean, look, we've talked on this show a few times now about the decisions of a few different exchanges to not shut down accounts tied to Russia or Ukraine, despite requests from uh, regulators. Coinbase made that same announcement at the end of last week. However, yesterday they flipped the script and they have now shut down roughly 25,000 different accounts, Coinbase accounts tied to Russia. I mean, again, This goes back to the age old argument that we have made time and time again in this community. Just because you do not agree with someone does not give you the right to cut off their right to speak, does not give you the right to cut off their access to their money, especially to feed their own family. We've just been talking about the idea of paying too high for BS moving violation or a ticket that you get from a police officer. Now imagine, forget that, some other corporation in a different country said to you, no, you don't get your money. Like, no, your accounts just shut down. Sorry, figure that's, it out. That's what they get for not hodling on their own. Uh, I mean, how many times? Who could who could possibly be in Bitcoin and not know that? I mean, you know that every conversation about Bitcoin has been said maybe for the last ten years. But yeah, I I, I want to know how they came up with those twenty five thousand people to shut down. Is it? All the citizens of Russia, even the old guy who's working, you know, just saying, hey, I want to save some money. Or is it like, did they pick 25,000 people, the oligarchs and the upper echelon people? Was there some research into these 25 people? Or is that, and this 25 people, is that all the people in Russia that had Bitcoin, just 25,000 people? I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot of people to me. I, I am actually curious as well. Like, how did you vet these 25,000 accounts? Are you sure that these aren't just VPNs re, rerouting an account through Russia for whatever reason? So it's just, it's no different in my mind than the Canadian government going to GoFundMe and saying to them, shut down the donations to the truckers. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Regardless of, of if you agree with the, 
what is being done, regardless if you, it doesn't matter because it could be you tomorrow. And that's yeah. what we are learning in real time. And that is the scary thing. And to Gary's point, a reminder, not get your Bitcoin off of exchanges, put it in a hard drive storage wallet, do something to get it off of an intermediary exchange. My favorite thing about Bitcoin has always been the decentralized aspect of it. The fact that it really can't be manipulated unless a majority of the network all agrees and says, hey, this change benefits us. Let's move this forward in a proper democratic way, in a proper democratic way. In my And opinion. you can't get them to agree on anything. <laughs> That's even better. That's even better. But, but when you introduce these intermediaries like a Coinbase or, you know, Cash App, Strike, whatever. You now have centralization. You now have a centralized company, a centralized entity that is going to have to make certain decisions sometimes. And unfortunately, government regulators, they kind of need to cozy up to them for a little bit. We're trying to get Bitcoin to expand. We're trying to get them to accept and adopt Bitcoin. They're not going to do that if, well, I love when Jack Mallers essentially says F you to the IMF and I'm never going to tell him to stop doing that. But like, you're not going to be able to tell every single country at eh, piss off. We're going to do whatever the hell we feel like it because we we're going to rule the world now. No, that's literally putting a target on our backs and get ready for the worst type of legislation mm-hmm. coming after us. Uh, I will also say uh, thank you to Coinbase for making one of the biggest blunders towards the Bitcoin community. I don't think you will ever recover from this from the Bitcoin community's perspective. And this is great free advertising for Bitcoin only companies like a strike, like a swan. Honestly, I consider Cash App a Bitcoin only company despite offering stocks and equities. You can't buy Ethereum. You can't buy other shit coins on that. Bitcoin stocks, only company. Stocks up to almost 2% today though. So they're not hurting too bad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bitcoin adjacent equities for another week, at least guys. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just, I just think, like I said, it's been put out there so much that you have to get your Bitcoin off of there. Everybody literally should understand that by now. And if they do get their money stolen or frozen, they were just lazy because they had to have heard that information there. And it's not that technical. It seems to a newbie overwhelming to do this stuff, but it's, you know, once you do it, how many videos do you think they're on YouTube on how to do this? I mean, like a million more, more than there are people on accounts that were closed in, closed in Russia. There are more videos than that many accounts. Everybody can watch their own video on how to do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious though, because, you know, sometimes there's almost too much information. And at what point does too much of that information become confusing for people how do we, at the Bitcoin community, make things easier for the newbies to digest things and get involved from day one? What are your you know, thoughts? I, I think I think well, I'm going to use an example. Swan Bitcoin. I think they're doing a good job of it. You know, they uh, have a lot of basic information on there, and if they can get you dollar cost averaging, you're receiving an email with some short information on it every week. I mean, YouTube is uh, a monster, so there's going to be so much information on there that if you just search Bitcoin right now, gosh, it must be a 500 million videos that come up. I mean, I have no idea what the number is, but there's, there's nothing. I don't know anything you do that. It's just sources that are strong sources like cash does a good job on their stuff, the cash app, things like that, that are doing a good job or Jack does a great job, as you were saying. So it's good strike and people like that sending out information, but I, I have no idea how you can control that. Cause I consume so much information every day and there's so much that comes out every day. It's hard to consume it all. I mean, you know, like this show's coming out. 
You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna there's, add, there's right now literally a hundred people in the world producing a show right now at the same time we are probably you know oh absolutely in one language or another yeah uh, and it's about bitcoin too not to mention all the other shows about sports politics entertainment whatever your heart desires you can find it especially in this information age that we live in today uh, i do want to add one to that list and and chris if you have the bandwidth to throw a link into the chat as well uh bitcoin magazine has a program called 21 days of bitcoin email once a day for 21 days you'll get a quick little lesson on it at the very end you'll get awarded some free sats it comes out to i believe something like 20 dollars worth of sats so if you're a newbie trying to learn be be sure to check out that check out some of the stuff over at swan or anything else that gary had mentioned as well um gary i want to bring up now I, but that I must be like 40 50 000 sets that's a lot of sets yeah it's, it's not it's not chump change guys you don't need look we talk a lot about in this community everyone should have a whole bitcoin like let's be realistic there are 21 million bitcoin not everyone in the world is going to have a whole bitcoin there's only it's kind of hard to get a Bitcoin now for a newbie. I mean, well, it's according to who a newbie is. I mean, if you're a professional sure. sports athlete, yeah, it's not that hard to get one right now. But if you're just an average person, it's going to take you a while to get a Bitcoin. And uh, I, I see <laughs> a, it getting harder and harder as the years go on because Bitcoin's price, uh, as I saw a very ominous sign this morning watching the sunrise over the Caribbean Sea, an arrow pointing up covering the sun just said to me, all right, we're, we're starting an uptrend. Today's going to be a green candlestick kind of day. I think it's going it. to be. I think you're right. <laughs> um, Gary, I want to touch on a little bit some of the things that I had uh, discussed briefly with you before we dived in. Uh, and then if we can, Chris, throw this onto the screen. There is a... BCA research report that I uh, read a little bit of, and I want to share this one page that is titled Rising Risk of a Nuclear Apocalypse. And it details certain things that are going on with Russia and Ukraine uh, that can have an effect on global markets and just you know our day-to-day lives. But the thing that really stuck out to me was at the very, very bottom in a portion that is circled in red, the risk of Armageddon has risen dramatically. Stay bullish on stocks over a 12-month horizon. Now, Gary, when we talked about this, uh, you had mentioned, you know, when it comes to Bitcoin-exposed stocks, this is probably great and sound advice. Yeah, just stay with micro strategies for 12 months, since that's basically a Bitcoin ETF. I mean, you know, that's probably pretty good advice. Or or marathon mining, or via blockchain even, probably. But... uh, as I was saying, I don't know if you're talking about auto stocks, you know, um, if those are a good thing. I, mean, I just don't know if stocks are going to be great for 12 months. I would be cautious about that. Um, my, in my household, you know, our investment portfolio that's not Bitcoin, uh, my, we split that up, my wife and I, and she's into like things you would think a normal person would be in. All mine are into Bitcoin related companies, like I said. Uh, micro strategies, riot, marathon, whatever. I think I would be perfectly fine holding mine for 12 months right now. I don't know if she should be holding hers as is for 12 months right now. You know, and a lot of her friends, their advisors are telling her to, telling them to uh, cash out right now. You know, so there's a lot of people who don't agree with them. I'm not saying they're smarter than the person who wrote the article. It's funny, a lot of people 
happening right now and getting cashed out. You know, I, I don't mean, know that I would go with that a hundred percent. I, uh, I definitely am in the minority within the Bitcoin community. I, I come from a finance background. I still invested as uh, my colleague over here, Alex Machine, likes to call non-Bitcoin stocks, uh, other shit coins. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, we're going to have a new episode of FedWatch uh, in about 12 minutes, and they're going to dive in, especially with the potential increased rate hike uh, next week. There was a, a point where this rate hike was going to be two basis uh, sorry, 50 basis points. And that was actually getting me excited. Historically speaking, 50 basis point or more rate hike has led to a bull market two weeks after the rate hike has occurred. However, now based on current projections, we're looking at a full 1% increase, which means four rate hikes of 25 basis points this year. Uh, I think we're in full-blown bear market territory. So I kind of agree with you of the notion of I don't think any equity outside of digital assets, I do think something like Coinbase actually does stand to benefit uh, just off the heels of Bitcoin. I'm not saying that that's because uh, altcoins are going to be hot or shit coins are going to go great. I just think the average investor doesn't really realize or understand that Coinbase isn't a Bitcoin company. They right. think it's giving them Bitcoin exposure. So until a company like Strike goes public or or a company like Swan goes public where you have a real Bitcoin only exchange. Um, Coinbase, I think, will trade in tandem with the Bitcoin and broader crypto market. But the broader crypto market is always influenced by Bitcoin's price action. Well, you know, also a lot of people I see saying um, that one of the reasons the market's doing so well is because so much money has been pumped into the economy. And you've got to face it. There's a lot of money in this economy. I mean, any place I go, if I go out fine dining, it's filled with 35-year-old people paying $500 for dinner. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of money in this economy. So if they keep pumping money into the economy, yeah, you're right. Everything's probably going to continue to go up um, as inflation is going. You know, talking about the 50 basis points a minute ago, you know, we saw inflation. I don't even know if the way they calculated inflation back then was different back in the 80s you know, early eighties, but I remember we bought a condo. We were paying 15% interest on the condo that we bought, you know, so the interest was really high back then because of inflation. And when they wanted to fight inflation back then, they didn't go up 25, 50 basis points. They went up to 16, 17% and, uh, you know, interest. So this 25 basis points, I don't even know what that's supposed to do. I can't see where that's going to do much anything to help inflation, which is what they say they need to do it for. So I think that's all just a bunch of BS. You know, I just can't see that help. Even 50 basis points, I, I can't see where that would be helping inflation. Not inflation, they say it's 7.5%, but if you, know, if you use the stats from like 1980, it's like 15, 16% or something. So um, yeah, I just don't even know what the point is. No, my, uh, my producer, Chris, and I, uh, I think what, like a month or two ago at this point, we were sitting there late at night during our Nashville meetup and we were just sort of running the numbers of, okay, the Fed has been pumping $120 billion of money into the market a month for the last two years. 120 times 24. I'm going to do, try to do some math really quickly because my brain doesn't want to do it in my head. 36 billion? $2.8 billion. $2.8 billion. 
dollars that the Fed has printed and no one has said anything. Oh, sorry, trillion, trillion, trillion. Thank you, trillion. Two point eight. I was going to say I was, I was trying to do the math there. No, I I, uh, I divided instead of multiplied, but yes, two point eight trillion dollars with a T. So when we're up in arms, Joe Manchin talking to you about a $1.5 trillion package that's actually going to try to help change things that actually is going to build out roads. So I don't have to hit a pothole every time that would actually give my dad who owns a construction company, who's done a lot of work with Caltrans more opportunities to submit for bids, but no, you're fine. Instead, let's pump the markets with 3 trillion more dollars. Let's boost that market up so that your stocks look good so that your donors look good. I call BS on that. I call BS on the fact that we have skirted our eyes to the feds printing, but are all in on, well, Congress wants to approve this. Well, Congress wants to do that. We need to, I, I get it. We live in a Republic. We have allowed these people to make decisions on our behalf that the average person should not be inundated and be asked every other day about decisions being made in DC. However, Jerome Powell has no financial background or experience. I'm going to say something bold and ridiculous. And I know how ridiculous it sounds. I am more qualified to be chairman of the Fed based solely on my background. Jerome Powell was a poli-sci major in undergrad, went to Georgetown Law School, and was a corporate lawyer. His only exposure into financial markets was working in mergers and acquisitions for six years. Then, after six years of that work, did he get tapped to go and work at the Treasury? Because his old boss was the head of the Treasury at that point. He has no financial background, no financial really experience, and yet now he's making all of the monetary decisions for the global reserve currency at this point. Do you think he's making all the monetary decisions? I mean, he personally is making all the monetary decisions. No, but he has I some mean, sort of influ influence and impact, and I don't think someone like him should be sitting at that table. I think maybe someone like him is sitting at that table because he does what people want to be done you know, rather than making uh, monetary decisions. I think monetary decisions are made by people. And then he's one of the people that goes, okay, that's what we're saying today. Okay, got it. And then he does it. I mean, is that not possible? That's absolutely that he's possible. He's a yes man, basically. And that's why he's in that position. I guess. I mean, look, he's... he's Because you're saying he's not qualified. You're saying he has no education or experience there. I stand by that. I so what would make someone want to give someone problem. like that that job? Why would someone give someone that job? They'd have to have something of benefit to bring to the table. So could the table be that he's a yes man? I mean, look, he he was appointed by Obama, stuck around through Trump, and is still here with Biden. Like you're you're absolutely right. He he gets everybody likes him. Everybody likes him. And the only thing politicians like more than themselves is a yes man who gets things done for, for them. Does what they want done. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I mean, everybody likes him. He he probably still be there next president comes. Everybody likes him. <laughs> like oh, oh we're changing we're changing courses now sounds I good to me what are we doing now <laughs> i really hope not <laughs> you know you just know there had to be a big difference of basic thought patterns on uh, handling monetary problems between obama trump and biden <laughs> i mean they had to change drastically and he's still plugging along absolutely no, you're absolutely right like, why, why do three different presidents who all ran on very different financial platforms, different promises to people about what they wanted to accomplish? I mean, mind you, Obama did not name him chairman of the Fed. He appointed him to a federal uh, bank and made him essentially qualified to eventually become chairman of the Fed. But even that was the test run. Exactly. Exactly. 
you you didn't fuck up bad enough. <sighs> Sorry, Alex, you didn't mess up bad enough, but here you are. You know what? We're, we're going to keep promoting you. I used to joke only in Hollywood and sports and honestly, maybe even politics. The only type of job where you can get fired and somehow end up with a promotion. Well, it's like I said, it's the only job that you go to work for a year and you become a millionaire. You know, it's, it's being a politician. You know, really, I mean, you know, is there is there anyone in the Senate or Congress that's not a millionaire would be a question or a multimillionaire? Because a million isn't a lot of money in D.C. Everything's expensive as hell. But I'm, I, I don't think there's anyone who's just a millionaire even. I mean, after a year or two, they're all multimillionaires, no matter where they came from. You know, so um, they're getting that money from somewhere. That's just yeah. crazy, you know. They need to start giving them Bitcoin. You know, they start need to start asking for Bitcoin so that they can uh, start understanding it and hodling it. Would you prefer individual politicians to have Bitcoin or would you prefer the Fed to adopt some sort of a Bitcoin hold in their own account? Um, you can only have one. I'd prefer the politicians have Bitcoin because it's somewhere there, there's telling the Fed what to do. I don't, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of input coming from there onto the Fed, but you know, it's like people say, which is a little off topic, you hear all the time, oh, the United States needs to start mining Bitcoin. Why in the hell would they mine Bitcoin? They can just print as much money as they want and just buy the thing. I mean, they don't have to spend time mining it. That's BS there. They can just print all the money they need and just buy it and buy it and buy it. I mean, you know, which I'm surprised that they don't just buy it and buy it and buy it. You know, what's it going to hurt them? They throw away more money than that a year. You know, I mean, on they just piss away more than... Millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. So you would think they'd go, hey, someone go, hey, let's just buy a billion dollars worth of that Bitcoin just in case, you know? I mean, I, I've said, and it has not been well received, but I would have loved to have seen them print uh, $120 billion a month and just stack stats with that. Stack stats with that. Of course. <laughs> of course, since you own Bitcoin, you'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I'd love to see that. Too, any Bitcoiner would love to see that. Hey man, I, I own plenty of equities too. I made I made some money with them pumping the equity market. So so thank you, Papa Powell, for uh taking me to a new tax bracket in that regard. <laughs> yeah, Gary, so um, as we wind down, I, I want to ask you, uh, you will be in Miami in just about 29 days, correct? Yeah. 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 What are you most excited on the beach? I got a place on the beach there. I got it like a year ago when prices were cheap. I love that. I love that. What are you beyond just hanging out at the beach? I'm going to find you and we're going to post up and have a drink at the beach. But well, what you are know, you most excited for? I met a lot of just like last year, I spent a lot of time out at the Swan Dome. I don't know if they've got a dome this year or what's going on with everybody. I spent a lot of time out there last year. You know, I'll be at the Fold Party. I'm sure they'll have one. I'll be at the Unchained Capitals Party. I mean, I'll be at a lot of parties. I like going to parties. So, um, you know, I, I do like that. Like I guess saying it's harder in the mornings now that I'm scary. It was when I was 27, but still I like, I can party all night. I just can't handle it the next day as well. You're almost putting me to shame. I'm like trying to avoid all the parties and after parties. I, I might even try to like not drink for the sake of being able to wake up early. I mean, we will be working, but, uh, what is work when you're surrounded by fun at the same time? I'm excited to be an adult. You know, Bitcoin Disney last year, first day I went to the beefsteak and I didn't drink there. I do have to admit, I said, you know, I got to like make it through one day. I have learned one thing in 67 years is you got, you can't like first day already be in a hole and feeling that bad. You got to like make it to the second day at least before you're feeling that bad. So um, yeah, I so wish I you tried not to party too heavy first day. 
I wish you had given me that advice before my spring break senior year. Cause let me tell you, I went too hard on day one and had to sit out day two. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens to people. And then they can't, Oh, then you're starting in the hole. It's kind of like, it's like putting all going all in at the poker table and then you lose and you got not all in, but everything, but five bucks. Now you got five bucks left and you're working all damn night just to get some money back. You know, and that's the way it is. If you party too much the first night, you're spending all week just trying to recoup. Man. But if you hit, if you hit on that hand, <laughs> shout out to my hand. homie Samir. We and unfortunately, the coin flip of the Super Bowl was not tails. I'm sorry, man. That sucked. Tough way to start, but thank you, OBJ, yeah. for making up for that lost bet. 50-50 bet. That's a tough one to go with there. <laughs> we were feeling we were feeling cocky. We were feeling cocky, but uh hey, we made we made that money back and then some. Thank you, OBJ. Sorry for your injury. Um before before I leave you, I do want to ask for if you don't mind potentially sharing a price prediction uh, by end of year this year. I'm uh, I'm still thinking that Bitcoin was just slowed down on its march to a hundred thousand. I'm not a price predictor, but I think it was just slowed down on being a hundred thousand by the end of last year. So I would not be surprised to see that, but. I'm not saying that it is since I'm not a price predictor or a chart analyst. I just watch videos and nobody's saying that. That's just what I feel. It's not like I see a lot of people saying it. I just feel like it should have done it last year. I think it's pretty, everybody would agree. It was um, almost everybody was thinking at the beginning of last year that we would hit that by Christmas. So um, I'm thinking that it was just slowed down by China and different things that happened, but no, oh, I'm probably wrong. It doesn't matter. I'm, stop, I'm not selling it. So. No, I mean, look, I mean, it's all viewpoint. I mean, I don't think we're talking to a bunch of people that are saying, oh, good, I can sell it at the end of the year. No, I, I think it's more so we can have a little bit of a victory lap at uh, the family dinners or get togethers with your old friends. I myself uh, definitely laid claim to that 100K by the end of last year and was disappointed to not see us uh, break above that. I am curious, though, to see what more use cases come out of the Bitcoin space, how it will be shown and, and uh, highlighted on this global stage that it finds itself in. I think that when it starts moving, you know, you know what, the last two times it's gone up into the 60s, it did it quickly. <laughs> I mean, it, it did it like overnight. I mean, what Christmas, two Christmases ago, it went from $8,000 to $25,000 Christmas day. I mean, when it moves, it moves fast. So being at, we're at $40,000, if you put it into perspective and just use that Christmas in the matter of 25 days, it went from 8,000 to 25,000, that's tripling. So tripling by now to Christmas is not something that's impossible to do. You know, I'm not saying it will happen, but it's not possible, but I think it's time for it. <laughs> I know that makes no sense and that's no reason. I just feel it's time, but doesn't matter i'm not selling whatever happens i've done too i've done too well on the drop i actually hope it drops again you know before it goes up there i mean i'd like to see it get down to like 3500 again you know <laughs> i would be tickled pink i've done everything i mean i've seen I, that I would, happen uh, when it went up to huh no uh, sorry sorry to interrupt. i would say i would love a quick flash sale of 3500 bitcoin yeah four thousand would be nice i mean you know people go oh, don't uh watch out what you wish for but the last two times when it dropped from 20 to 35 i I was real happy. And then it dropped again uh, during the economy. Bust dropped down to there when uh, COVID hit, it dropped down to like $4,000 again, yep. you know, and I was real happy again. So, hell, I don't mind it dropping again, to be honest with you. So talk to me a little bit about your, your mental state in those moments, because I myself come from like a growth investing standpoint. I was always taught and trained. 
you don't buy a dying stock, you buy it breaking out to new highs. It's taken a lot for me to really understand the Bitcoin buying the dip and like buying into this sort of philosophy, which I do heavily now. But talk to me a little bit and share with us sort of what that was like those first few times you were doing it. Were you uncomfortable? Were you just very like, yes, this is a sale, let's go? First time from was 19 or whatever, you know, 35, 36, whatever it was, you know, I was relative, I'd only been into Bitcoin a year, but I knew I wasn't selling. So I, I didn't sell because it was 19. I held on to it, but I would say that was kind of different because I held on to it and just was buying more as it went down. I wasn't like during the COVID when COVID came and it dropped down under 4,000, that was a whole different story. I was buying my ass off. I was trying to find money to move money to buy, you know? So I was buying, I bought it. 6,000, I bought a 5,000, I bought a fourth. I mean, I was just buying it all the way down. So I'm very comfortable with that. But I, I think that has to do with uh, how well you know the product or how well you understand Bitcoin or how well you realize Bitcoin can't be killed, um, whatever it is. And I'm also in a situation, a financial situation that not everybody's in where, you know, I have made a good living my whole life and I still make a good living. So it's a different situation for some people. And, and I'm old. So I don't go to work and federal government gives me $5,000 a month, social security. So, I mean, you know, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. They just hand me money every month. That's just, you know, when I was in high school, that day at age on, when I first started working, I always said, this is BS. I'll never get this money back. But now I'm getting it back and it's a perfect time because I can buy Bitcoin with it. Matter of fact, we weren't going to get social security till I was 70. I said, we need to get it as soon as we can. So we can start buying Bitcoin every month. You know, so, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that the, I have an answer as to my beliefs in that. I just, my personal belief is that Bitcoin's not going anywhere. It's never going to disappear. So um, it's a no-lose situation. And when you can get Bitcoin for under $4,000, you need to be getting as much as you can. And the last two or three times it's dropped there, that's been truer than you can believe. Even at $10,000, you know, it's a good deal. Anything's a good deal. You know, in five years, you aren't going to care what it is. You're going to say $40,000 was a good deal. I truly believe that. No, I mean, look, I, I kick myself for not buying as many as I could uh, at any price point below 20K. I mean, maybe, maybe we never see a price below that again, or maybe we will for a quick little flash. I don't, think we'll, ever, I don't think we'll ever see below 20K again, but I could be wrong. I thought it'd be 100 by Christmas, so it shows how much I know. You know, so it's just, but I think that 20K would be hard to, to see. You know, I think the problem is, is, uh, you know, like you can't sell all your stock in General Motors and watch the market drop and then buy it back the next day, you know, and that's the problem with Bitcoin. It would be nice if there was some kind of law on that. You couldn't sell your Bitcoin, you know, see the market drop 20% and then buy back the same amount of Bitcoin and more. You know, I mean, uh, I don't have a problem with some regulation because it's going to happen. I mean, whether right. you want it or not, it's going to happen. So you just got to make sure it's a regulation that doesn't kill Bitcoin, you know, and make it set it back. It's not going to kill it. You could just set it back. You know, let's face it. I'm 67. I can't wait 20, 30 years. I'll be at the old folks home with my jewel cup. We got to get this thing moving here. <laughs> Uh, to, to quickly unpack what Gary's saying, for those of you who aren't as familiar, the wash sale rule is a is a law that's implemented in stock trading, where if you sell a stock for a loss, but buy it back within a 30-day window, you are still not entitled to call that loss as part of your tax returns at the end of the year. 
that law does not exist in Bitcoin. So if you take a nice bath in Bitcoin, you could, in theory, sell it for a loss. That loss now shows up on your tax returns, but you can buy at this low price anyways, and then watch it rip and keep holding. So not financial advice, not tax advice, just explaining out exactly what uh, Gary was explaining in detail. There was another thing I want to unpack, uh, which is while you may have said when you were our age that you weren't going to get social security, we are very much of the mindset that we are not going to get social security. Yeah, I understand. I've been there, done that. I, what, mean, I thought that my whole life. What would you do? Like, what steps were you taking to help yourself when you were a young man uh, not too long ago trying to, hey, I'm losing this money in social security. I'm paying an arm and a leg in taxes. I only have a few fingers to save. How were you doing it when you were early on for maybe some advice for some of our viewers? Well, you know, and things change over time. You know, I was doing companies that I worked for, and but I put away money in just general investments and funds. I'm not a great stock picker. I never was. So I would have, I'd use a company to handle that for me, but I bought real estate, you know, homes, rental properties, things like that, you know, had, had still got some gold. And so in a drawer, I figure that might be handy if I have to exit, you know, the country don't have a lot of it, but if I have to take off and get across the border, a little box of gold, I don't have a box of gold, mostly boxes of silver, uh, might be helpful to get across the border and get the hell out of Dodge. Who knows? But, um, you know, I don't have any great advice there. I just worked hard and uh, saved money, you know, nothing special, nothing that people can't do, except right now people are getting killed. As I said earlier with inflation, it's harder to do. I grew up at a good time. You know, you could buy a house, put it on a 15-year loan, and it wasn't that impossible to do. We were talking to my daughter the other day. She'd been saving money for 20 years to buy a house, and they're going up so fast that she's getting killed by inflation. She's really pissed. She's been saving. When her and her husband get located, they transfer a lot. When they get in five years, when they get stationary, shit, they're going to have lost a lot of their uh, value they could have had on, in a house. She's real upset. What... Given your, your daughter's situation, like what advice do you give her? Do you urge her to maybe prioritize Bitcoin or are you, do you view something like real estate still as a viable investment for our generation? Well, I still think real estate's a viable investment. There's only so much land. I mean, you know, I mean, it really is. Thing, you know, with rental properties, so gosh, it's such a pain in the ass. I mean, got to kick people out. They don't pay rent and then they mess it all the hell up if you got to kick it out. But land... I mean, there's only so much land and it seems to have always been going up over history. So I don't know, land might be a good investment. You know, I'm, I'm not a big investment advice person to give out investment advice on that. I just, like I said, I've just worked hard and just saved my money like, like idiots have. But I grew up at the right time, you know, being a boomer. I grew up when there was a lot of money and a lot of money to be made. And the government wasn't that much killing our ass like they are now, you know. The government was still trying to help people out for the most part. You know, if I was like, I definitely think if I was a vet, I mean, I would get a house while the government is giving you that kind of interest rate. I think you'd almost be an idiot not to, you know? So I don't know much about that either since I'm not a vet. Um, I want to give you the opportunity very quickly to, you know, let our viewers know where they can find you, uh, where your podcast is or where they could buy tickets to BitBlock Boom. But before that, I have to very selfishly shout out my Denver Broncos for during this segment, trading for Russell Wilson, especially after I cried a tear when they didn't sign Aaron Rodgers. 
So maybe you guys aren't incompetent, but shout out Broncos are back, baby. Let's go. Uh, Gary, where can our, our audience find you? Uh, where well, or I'm, buy a ticket to BitBlockBoom? Yeah, BitBlockBoom.com and then BitBlockParty.com that we talked about earlier. Then I'm Gary Leland on Twitter, Gary Leland everywhere except for Instagram, where my people who have cloned my accounts have more followers than I do. So yeah, it's amazing <laughs> how they cloned my account and then they have more followers than I have. I guess they, I don't work Instagram. I'm not a big Instagram guy. You know, so I guess that's why they're able to get so many followers. You know, that's kind of amazing. All, right. All these people that just make a fake accounts of your account, you know, you know, that's, I saying, Gary, I, mean, I had to cut you off. You kept, you kept messaging me, wanting me to send you money. I go, really? Do you really think that was me? I mean, <laughs> really? You're not wrong. I actually, this morning was followed by uh, what I quickly realized is a fake Preston Pish account on Instagram. And then I was like, how does this guy have 10,000 followers? Like what is, yeah. what is, I don't know, but guys, as always, do not send your Bitcoin to people who promise you more Bitcoin in return. Please do not do that. Not your coins, but take them off exchange. I, I'm spacing on that saying that we always say in the Bitcoin community. Um, Gary, this has been so much fun. Oh, I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to looking forward to meeting in person in Miami, and I hope uh, I can convince CK Snark down there to let oh, me. There's CK. Hey, I'm CK, a, how are you? I'm gonna try to make my way down to Austin as well. Let's party it up uh, and say "f you" to some Ethereum heads. Yeah, yeah, you sure we're gonna have a good time saying "f you." CK had one of the best parties on his rooftop. Actually, that party on your rooftop was life changing for me, CK. I got to tell you that. That's it's been a while now, but that was a life changing party. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a, uh, an awesome party on the rooftop for Bitcoin 2019. And to anyone on the fence of uh, Bitcoin 2022, so life changing parties will be happening there as well. So all day, you gotta go all day, all day long. Even after it's over, there will be. Use code YT. You get your butt down there. Get your butt down there. I can tell you right now, you're you're going to miss more than you know. Yeah, so I, you know I mean, I know, experience. I know Gary is uh, rolling in deep with the whales, so uh, he he's going VIP. Yeah, I, I think I am. Oh, I believe my wife and I is even are even coming. My wife's even coming. So I know I'm probably taking you over time to you, right? <laughs> no, we're Gary. Honestly, you are welcome to come back anytime, and we can chat for hours on end. This was an absolute blast. I loved our political rants together and our conversation about Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs>